Amen. Good morning, Calvary. I want you to think about the best meal you've ever had. What is the best meal you've ever had? And what if I told you you could have that meal every meal for the rest of your life? That'd be pretty cool, huh? And it would be healthy for you. Now, I want you to realize that's kind of what Adam and Eve were like in the garden. They had the choice fruit. They could eat whatever they wanted to eat. And there was just one stipulation. Don't wander from the truth. Don't wander from the good fruit. And last we talked about last week as we introduced this garden idea. They left the utopia of the garden, the choice of eating the best fruit for the rest of their life, to eat the poison fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And last week we challenged you to really practice this idea of confession. And we said in order for a garden to grow up, you must first remove the rocks, the boulders. You must turn over the soil of your heart. If you haven't done that, that's where this starts. But this garden theme carries throughout the entire Bible and invites us to bear the fruit of the Spirit of the Lord, the peace, the loving kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, and the self-control. In other words, God gives you an opportunity to take in the presence of Him every moment of every day, both now and into eternity. Why would we forsake that for stuff that destroys us? And the answer is the enemy is crafty. So as we continue to remove and hopefully continue to practice this idea of confession, today we're going to look at Psalms 1 and continue this garden theme and talk about what it looks like to begin to nurture the ground and to allow something healthy to grow. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams, and that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now, verse 3 might not be a verse that you read and you immediately think of the Garden of Eden, but if you were a Hebrew Jew in the day, you would have realized that was a reflection back on the Garden of Eden. That's what most commentaries say. The idea of going back to the utopia, why? Because the Garden of Eden, once again, the garden in the uh, Middle East, the garden throughout the Bible is referring to this idea of blossoming trees, abundant fruit surrounded by a hedge of protection. It is an oasis of peace. It is an oasis of prosperity. It is a great place to be. I love me some shade trees. Redhead does, right? It's sitting under the shade tree on a warm summer day and having the peace and the presence of God with you. Doesn't that sound nice? So why do we go through that, go through the wrong thing? Well, the answer to that is the enemy is crafty. In fact, the imagery here reveals a digression from the one who remains in the advice of the wicked. Look with me in Psalms 1, 1 again. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. Or stand in the pathway with sinners. Or sit in the company of mockers. Once again, this is the digression of the one who remains in the advice of the wicked. Now, the word digression is not a word we use very often. So let me explain that to you in case you didn't know. Uh, or you want your kid to know. Okay, I got it. It's the idea of progression to stagnation. Making progress to stand still. 
And so you see this, this imagery unfold. So you have someone going from walking to standing to sitting still. And when Jesus talks about this living water, you're going to see it's flowing, it's moving. And we are to be mo- moving and flowing in the presence of God. We aren't to be stagnant in the presence of evil. But there's even a deeper progression here that I want to unfold. This is how we are influenced by the problems of this world. First of all, there's the wicked. Happy is the one who doesn't stand, uh, walk in the presence of the wicked. The wicked is one who is guilty of sin and aware of it. I know it's a sin, but it's not that big a deal. So happy is the person who doesn't let that person influence you. Now, I want to start real quickly by saying we all have family, we all have friends, we all have work employees and people in our schools that will be walking through these. uh, We can't create a utopia where we don't have the outside world in. However, we can choose to not let them influence us by creating healthy boundaries, which we're going to get to a little bit later. But it starts by saying happy is the person who doesn't walk with. In other words, their best friends aren't the people who go, I know this is wrong, but I don't care. And so they trust God's truth. Because if not, you're going to go to the next level to the word sinner. Now, the word sinner has different meanings throughout the Bible, but it's all bad. In this particular Hebrew word, the idea of sinner is the one who has a history of malicious patterns. So it's not someone who just takes sin lightly and occasionally sins and knows it's bad. It's the one who has the pattern of continually doing the same sins over and over and over again. And we just excuse them. It's just John. It's just Susie. (laughs) Right? Happy is the person who avoids that person because then you're going to be standing in sin. But then it comes into you're sitting with the sinners when you have the mockers in your life. And mockers here are the one who is so arrogant that they assume that everyone else is wrong, but they can do no wrong because they're perfect. Like the person with the narcissistic tendencies. Now, here's the problem. Narcissists don't think they're narcissists. They think everyone else is a narcissist, right? And narcissism is actually kind of overdone in the world. It's easy to call someone a narcissist when they're not. But a narcissist truly feels like they never do anything wrong because they're living their best life. They're doing what they want to do. And if the world gets in their way, well then, forget the world, right? And so there is a danger of the person who does it. And, and the Bible tells us this is going to rob us from that. So I want us to instead take this uh, passage and understand that this isn't just talking about avoiding these people. But rather, this verse says, happy is the one who doesn't surround yourself with them. In other words, you're not going to carry the burdens. that You're not bringing the poison fruit. You're not allowing them to entice you with the poison of their life. And so you're happy because you're eating of the tree of the life, the tree of God himself. And so this word happy there isn't a self-ascribed happy. There's actually two Hebrew words for uh, the word blessed here. And this is the one who other people tell you that you're happy. Uh, Daniel is a happy guy, right? Daniel is blessed. I would hope that's my prayer. And, and, and it's not a fake. It's because you're surrounding yourself in the, the light of the presence of the Lord. Now, here's the problem. The enemy is crafty. And the enemy is going to want to entice you to go and be around those people. In fact, in Genesis 3.1, we see the story of Adam and Eve, the original garden sin. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say that? 
Because the enemy wants to entice you. In fact, what is around you will influence you. What you consume will affect your life. Or to quote the great theologian Bruce Berry, and every father probably in the history of life, garbage in, garbage out. My last name is Barry. That's my dad, in case you didn't realize that. I doubt that's his original quote. But <laughs> it is. No, it's not. Um, garbage in, garbage out. So what you take in will be what comes out of you. And it's saying to avoid the presence of evil in your life. So how do we do that? Psalm 2.2, it says, instead... The other option, instead of being drifting away by allowing those around you to entice you with the sin of this world, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Now this is not a five minute quiet time in the morning. And hear me, I hope you have a quiet time. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. A quiet time is a time where we open up the Bible and we pray to God. It's, it's saying we, we take the presence of God with us everywhere we go. You see, happy is the person who delights on the instruction of the Lord because the ultimate point of the instruction of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. And so uh, Tim Mackey describes this as an infinity loop. If you really look at it, it's one's delight in the Lord leads to desiring more of his instruction. The delight results in learning more about him and increased delight in the Lord. In other words, the more I open up God's word, the more I go, this is pretty good stuff. And as I begin to go, this is pretty good stuff, I'm happy and I'm delighting. And there becomes fruit in the right season. I begin to grow in the character, in the nature of God. I begin to bud peace. I begin to bud love. I begin to bud kindness and gentleness and all of the fruits of the Spirit. And as that begins to blossom in my life, I sit there and go, this is pretty awesome. So I thank God and I want to find out more. And it creates this pattern that you sit there going, tell me more about God. Now church, that's amazing. Can I be honest with you? It is so easy to say, but it is so easy to step out of that infinity loop. It is so easy to step out of that pattern and not even realize it because the enemy wants to destroy us. So I'm, a, I'm about to cover some very basic things. Um, and as we do that, I want you to understand the heart of this message is really not unpacking stuff that you've never heard before. But it's asking you to do a deep dive under the soil of your heart to realize and ask yourself if you truly delight in God's presence. If you truly delight in what he can offer you and, and sustain you, that you can, can really sit here and go, this isn't something I do casually, but God, you are my everything, my joy, and I want you to be the primary influence, the primary character, the primary sustainer of my life because it's easy to get suckered away into the poison of this world. Verse 3, how do we do this? He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams and it bears fruit in its season. In other words, you can't just do this for one day and go, oh, where's the fruit, right? You've got to nurture it and you've got to, but it, it plants itself 
by a flowing street, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. This does not mean you're going to get every promotion you want. It doesn't mean you're going to get the 2.2 kids and the picket fence like every American seemingly wants, right? It means that you're going to find the presence of God and prosper in the kingdom of God. And the way that this begins is by understanding what it really looks like to have the flowing streams. The flowing streams that bears fruit. Once again, this is a reflection of the garden. You see, as trees need water, we need the water of life. What is the water of life? God revealing his truth through the name and the character of Jesus Christ and his word. God revealing himself to us allowing us to know him. So imagine yourself in this garden. You're sitting under this wonderful shade tree and the presence of God shows up. You're in a wonderful hammock and you have this great healthy food and you can just sit and rest in the presence of God and it rejuvenates your soul and allows you. This is what God wants us to carry with us, this imagery of the presence of God going with us wherever we may be. In a tractor, putting together a car at SIA, Working in a fast food line, working as an educator or a mom, when the kids are crying at three in the morning, when the dog is sick, the presence of God is still there. So where are you going for your water? Jeremiah 2.13 gives us this caution. For my people have committed a double evil. They have not only abandoned me, for a living water, the, living, the fountain of living water, but they've dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, they abandoned the flowing water and instead are going to these wells with broken uh, buckets, trying to, to satisfy their part soul. They're making idols. Have we ever done that? It's like God saying, I'm good, I'm here. The living water, stagnant water is not good. It won't make you healthy. It won't bring the nutrients in. It won't sustain you. Take the living water and let me pour over you, continually pour over your roots, continually pour over your branches so that you might produce something healthy and good. But we've abandoned it for the idols of our day. And so this makes us parched. In John 4, 14, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. And he says, for whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in eternal life. And so Jesus says, when you come to me, this is that infinity loop. It's like I delight and so I find purpose. I find value in the right season and then I want to know more. And yeah, there's going to be temptations and moments where I want to dive out. But when I learn how to sustain myself and find the presence of God every moment of every day, guys, this is not, I'm not trying to sell you on something. This is real. In John 7, 37 through 38, he says, And on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone is thirsty, are you thirsty? Longing for meaning and value? Let him come to me and drink. For the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing from deep within him. So this is not just about a bunch of rules. This is not just a bunch about of morals. This is not about being a right and holy person. But rather the holiness comes from finding the presence and the value of God. And that sustains us because the world's going to tell you you're not enough. The world's going to tell you there has to be more. And Jesus says, I am the living water. 
I am what you need. And here's the promise of Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will always lead you and satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden. I think some of our bones need to be strengthened today. Some of our um, thirst needs to be quenched. Not by our man-made fake drinks, but by the true living water. For Jesus, for who he is. You see, the Lord is always faithful. He is the source of abundant life. The question is, do we stay connected with him? So this is not rocket science. How do we stay connected with him? The youngest kid in the room can probably tell you the first two. The first way that we stay connected with him is we have to know his word. And this is so wonderful because when we know his word, when we, when we read his Bible, when we, we begin to understand, when we allow the Spirit of God to show us, it, it's not about rules, but when I read the Bible and, I, and I'm in the place where I'm really seeking God and I'm finding the light, I see the presence of God. And so when, when the problems of this world happen, there's like this peace that comes that I, I'm able to lean into. When, when, when I'm lacking joy or when I don't want to forgive or when I'm angry, I, I come to a place where I go, no, God has forgiven me. God has given me joy. God has sustained me. I have walked away, but God is so good. And his character comes out and I want to be like that and I want to emulate that. And so then it starts to produce good fruit. And so what happens is as we know his word, as we are drawn into who he is, into his character and his truth, then we begin to say we must apply his word. So this isn't something that we just do five minutes in the morning and forget about it the rest of the day. It's rather a source of uh, God that goes with us everywhere we go. And this is what it means to allow the living water to pour over us. Imagine a tree planted in the morning and it takes five minutes of living water and then it gets up and goes about its day, right? <laughs> Ridiculous! Imagine a crop that you planted farmers and you like, okay, it's going to stay in that ground for five minutes of the day and then it's going to go do its own thing. It's going to yield great fruit. Don't worry. I trust the crop, right? We must make his truth our primary source of instruction. So let me ask you this question. Because I think sometimes we think we're doing this more than we are. Daniel's looking in the mirror right here. Daniel doesn't know why he talks in third person sometimes. Where do you receive most of your information? <laughs> this is going to get good, okay? So let's unpack this a little bit. Let's, let's talk about this. this let's really uh, um, break this down because I think if we aren't careful then what we're going to do is we're going to try to find our primary source of instruction from the world. Now hear me, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the controversial issues right now. I'm talking about the fact that when you look in the mirror in the morning, odds are you don't like what you see. I'm talking about the fact that, that when you go around and you go to your school, kids, there are going to be other kids who tell you that you're not good enough that you're not valued enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not fast enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough. 
And adults, we tell our kids not to be inundated by that, but then we, we go to our, our Instagrams and our whatever Snapchats or whatever, and we sit there and go, well, that mom's got her life together, and look at what that guy's doing. And, the, and, and we, we compare ourselves, and all the time we're sitting there going, when will I be satisfied? Oh, the next promotion. When will I be satisfied? Oh, the next vacation. When will I be satisfied? And we let the world tell us what is most important to our life. That is a dangerous place to be. So as Gabe Lyons says, there are seven channels that influence our information. Or he calls them seven channels of culture. And I'd like to, to go through these. Because, spoiler, the last one is God and the church and his word. Okay? But I want you to think of these channels as how much time and attention are you giving these channels? Think of it like a TV channel. Boop. I'm giving this one this much time. Don't like that channel. Flipping it, right? I'm now on ESPN 7, right? Or the Ocho. For the... Let's go to these seven channels and unpack them. The first, arts and entertainment. You do realize that you are influenced by what you watch. Garbage in, garbage out. That's not affecting me, is it not? Is it not? I've watched the show before and sat there and thought, uh-oh, this is starting to shape the way I think. I can handle it. Have you ever done that? And the next thing you know, you're starting to think like the show. Or what about the entertainment culture? Can I just, can I, let's be real. Entertainment is the idol of our day. Because what we're taught is, and what culture wants to say is, okay, if you have free time, be entertained. If you have any moment of freedom, be entertained. And if you're not entertained, that's a problem. I remember telling my dad when I was a kid, I'm bored. And he goes, go get to work. Right? I don't ever hear anyone say they're bored anymore. Maybe you do. I don't. I think that we, we, we busy ourselves. Entertainment in being entertained, the vacations and the, the activities and the, the constant going is a way to distract us. Second one, the social sector. The social sector can be good, um, but what we mean by social sector is anyone trying to improve culture. Now, hear me. I believe in justice issues because God is a just God. I believe in social justice issues we teach social justice issues here. But we don't define our social just justice issues by what we think. We define it by God's word. And there's a whole lot of people trying to make the world a better place by doing what they think. And they're influencing us instead of trusting God. So just because someone is trying to make the world a better place and their intentions are good does not mean it's headed in the right direction. Third, government. I'm going to just say this. If you think your political party is the right party and everyone else is wrong, you're going to be greatly disappointed in heaven. Let's go on. <laughs> Education. <laughs> I haven't said this in a long time, but send your angry emails to Drew. He loves that kind of stuff, okay? <laughs> Education. I love, love, love our educators. 
stay-at-home moms who are educating your kids at homeschool, private school educators, public school educators, my kids go to private school, uh, public school, okay? Have. Here's what I want to say. If you as parents don't recognize that you are to be the primary educators of our children, it doesn't matter what your teachers are saying. And that includes Sunday school teachers, even though we don't call them here. Which is why we have the milestones, because we believe in this church that parents and their uncles and their cool grandmothers and the, the friends in the small group, but primarily the parents and the guardians of those kids are to be the primary educators of your kids, and it's not the school's fault. Amen? To all our teachers who are doing a great job in the public schools, man, you shine that light. But parents, you are to be the primary educators of your kids. Okay. Drew Phillips at yourcalvary.church. <laughs> business. Business is one that, like, we have to do this. We have to, we have to be around business. We have to be around work, right? Like, I, yeah, but you don't have to let it influence you. It's like, if the social, the, the, the dynamic of your work is you got to cut people's legs off to get the promotion, that's a toxic place. Or I have to put down my phone and I can't spend any time with my family and I have to, guys and women, it, though anyone in the, the business world, your work should not be your defining personality. You are so much more than an employee at. You are a child of God. Don't let your work dictate who you are. Media. This is so much fun. Can I just kind of subtly say the following, and then I'm going to go to, to social media. I'm going to start first with the news media. If you only watch one channel, you're probably only getting one side. But I watch the, yeah, we're all biased. Okay. The other part of that, though, is social media. Can I just tell you, be careful. If you were to poll a bunch of college students and you were to say the following, what would it be like for you to go an entire day or an entire week without your phone? You know what overwhelmingly they would say? They would say, I feel naked. Or if you're from Texas, naked. <laughs> we're so used to the very first thing in the morning, opening up Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're, we're so inundated to, to, to look how often, right now, by me missing it, some of you are like, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I, what am I missing? <sighs> Can I just encourage you to say that the garden was supposed to be a place of rest? So you might be in all of those, but can I encourage you, the primary channel that you should have influence you is the church or God's word, God's truth. And I'm not talking about this hour once a week or 45 minutes if you're continually 15 minutes late. I love you. But the idea of what it looks like to really immerse yourself in God's word and to say, God, shape my business, shape my media, shape my view on social justice, shape my education, shape me, God. 
And I think the danger that we live in is in a world where we kind of put church on in the background when there's no other channels on that we want to watch. I'm kind of busy this week. I'm, I'm entertaining myself with my kids' baseball team. Well, did, sorry, I, we got the lake this week, and oh, next week we got this. Or Is God the primary channel of your life? And hear me, I, I'm actually not trying to make anyone feel guilty here. I'm, I'm asking you to taste and to see the good fruit of what it really looks like to dive in and to caution you that I'm not trying... You're the one stepping out of the goodness and the nature of God because you don't take the time to make it the primary source of your health and your being because you know what? This world is chaos. And when those financial problems hit, isn't it nice to know that God is a provider and rest there? When that illness hits, isn't it nice to know that God is the healer both in this life and in the next? When you feel like no one values you, isn't it nice to know that, that God says he knit you together in your mother's womb and you were fearfully and wonderfully made? And every hair on your head and every eyelash he gave you and every signature part of your body, God loves and adores and he longs for you to find value in resting in him. Oh, son or daughter, why are you looking to the world for approval? Delight in his word. So two cautions real quick. And then we're going to get to three questions to ask around your table or your small group this week. One, if you're always busy, you'll be missing out on the garden. <laughs> Caution. Recently, I went 10 straight nights without a night home. Oh, I, I slept at home, but I, that's not good. And I justified it because it was ministry. Can I tell you one of the best things you can do for your family is to eat meals with them and talk about with them? The garden, by definition, was stopping and resting. And if you are so busy with the entertainment, so busy with the whatever the media, the job, is so busy, you are already making your choice. God is not your primary channel. And the enemy wants to subtly distract you into busyness. You need to rest. And sometimes, can I be real? We don't want to rest because the noise channels in our head start yelling, you're not enough when we slow down. Dig that up. Dig that rock up. Dig that soil up. And plant good soil. Some of you are like, oh, I'd do that, but I don't want to be lazy. Sometimes it's not busyness, it's laziness. And you are called to work. Adam was called to work even before the fall. Adam and Eve were called to work even before the fall. Tend the garden. Tend the peace. Tend the Soil of your heart that keeps you connected to God. So here's three questions to ask with that in mind. Are you looking to God as your primary source of truth? Maybe discuss this over lunch today. <laughs> Some of you, kid, your kids would totally go, what is happening if you had that as your primary discussion over lunch today? 
Some of your kids would go, what is happening if you actually had lunch together today, okay? But what is your primary source of truth? You got to be real with it. How often are you looking at your phone? Where are you finding your satisfaction? Is it work? Or is it God? Is it keeping up with the Joneses? Or is it God? Is it entertainment? Or is it God? Is there an influence in life that is distancing me from God's truth? I'm not saying you have to cut out your Aunt Gertrude, but I do think you might need to make a boundary. By the way, if anybody in here is an Aunt Gertrude, I did not mean to call you out. But the idea is set up a boundary, but then come to the place where you're saying, okay, God is going to be my primary source. For some of you, it means I will not work past 5.30 p.m., period. I will not. For some of you, I will not look at my phone after 6 p.m. I realize some of you may be doctors, and that may not be possible. I get it. But what's God asking you to do? And finally, what needs to change so that I can stay rooted in the living water? Let's be real with each other. Every one of us has something to change. Because the unfortunate reality is we won't all arrive on this side of heaven. But you could take a little bit more. You could draw a little more into the presence of God. A little more into his peace. A little more into who he wants you to be and taste and see. And that fruit will not only be beneficial for you, but for everyone around you. They will look at you and they will say, you are blessed. And they will long for it. And out of that blessing, the living water will begin to flow out of you and into their lives. This is how followers share what they, you have to know him. So no guilt this morning, but an invitation to taste and see how good he is. To step into this infinity loop of delighting in the presence of God and choosing to make him as the primary source of all our information, validation, and joy. If you need to talk to any of us after the end of the service, there'll be several up here who'd love to tell you about Jesus or pray with you or just listen to you. So God, in this moment, we ask that you begin to move. We would ask that your presence be felt here today. God, take this moment as a moment where you begin to show us what we need to do and that you would wash over us like the living water you promised to be. God, there's areas in our life we need to change. Mine too. God, may your spirit move. Guard us from bitterness or anger. If we're having wrestling feelings right now of, oh, I don't like this, God, help us to reason why. It's because you're moving. So God, right now, we try to give you us, give us our all. When we come to you, we welcome the healer here and now. Amen.